What you can't call friendly text message banter is horrendous racism. Uh, Anti-Semitism, homophobia, sexism, all of this is so far alleged rather than definitive, but the LMA's statement on Malky Mackay would certainly indicate that there was uh, some substance to the allegations. Well, yeah, substance to the allegations. Uh, no substance whatsoever to the LMA statement. Uh, horrendously superficial and trivialised uh, the seriousness of what had been said. Uh, to call it light-hearted banter between mates is unacceptable. And, and uh, I, I have to say, I think... As a result, the chief executive of the LMA, Richard Bevan, should resign. I don't I don't think uh, anyone who's managing that process... I mean, this has gone through a process, right? Someone has written that, checked it, and signed it off, and then sent it out in the LMA's name. So the top guy should go. Uh, and Malky Mackay, well, he's... You know, I, I have to say, most of the time with this, football manages to brush this kind of thing under the carpet, and I, I'd say, well, he wouldn't have a trouble getting a job again, but... Um, I think uh, Cardiff and Vincent Tan have played this so aggressively and so cold-heartedly, and and this is revenge served cold, isn't it? That it's going to be very difficult for him to get a job in the near term, at least. It's going to take quite some time. I'm not sure there's any clubs that want to take that heat, and rightly so, because this is some of the most offensive stuff that we've allegedly heard from a, a football manager in a very long time. I wish I didn't disagree. I really wish that I totally agreed with you that it's going to take him a really long time to get a job, but he'll have a championship job in two years, probably. I, I, I would say he'll be on B-in sports or whoever it is that Keys and Grey work for doing punditing in no time. You know, we've got Ron Atkinson on MUTV, the Suarez thing, obviously. It's like football is so quick to forget. And at its core, like the leadership of football don't care about this stuff. That was what was so telling about the LMA statement, right? It was like, no, uh, you know, this thing's come out. And if you read the statement they put out, there's, there's like a bunch of stuff in it that's ridiculous. One of the things it says is it was offensive to other cultures with hindsight. It's like, really? Do you actually, you, you mean you need to like wait till it's happened and then look back and go, oh, that horrifically offensive thing I said was potentially offensive to other cultures. Even when the LMA apologised for their horrendous statement they said they said we're sorry it was in there was inappropriate language in the statement and we are also sorry if it was perceived to have trivialized racism i was like brilliant or something very similar to that it was brilliant non-apology apology classic stuff and of course um not only did united have ron atkinson on uh, on mutv but jim rosenthal on mutv as well he once called tessa sanderson a spear chucker so, um, uh, along with Ron Atkinson and uh, what he said about um, Marcel Desailly. So, uh, I mean, you're, you're right. He will get a job. It's just there's so much heat around him right now that it's definitely not going to be this summer and it might well be sometime down the line. This is a really sordid affair. I hate talking about this stuff on Rankcast, you know? And, and I mean, it, it's, it's removed from United, I, I suppose, although Oli Gunnar there. And at the time, I, I like many many people found it a little surprising that Mackay had been sacked by Cardiff and and it seemed like you know Vincent Town was this nut job who'd come in change the colours of the shirt he'd pissed off all the fans and then sacked the manager who'd got them promoted and it it seemed like uh, it was uh, it was excessive in hindsight uh, we know exactly what happened now not only was he uh, offensive to the manager's face calling him a chinky um, but uh, allegedly 
Are we alleging this still? It seems like it's pretty certain. But there'd been some very dodgy transfer dealings. Now, the, the transfer stuff's not been resolved yet. Cardiff is still very angry about it. Vincent Tan thinks his money's been wasted. But he's got some serious revenge here in leaking this stuff to the to the papers. But uh, apparently calling up Crystal Palace to warn them off. The, yeah, the, there was a thing. Uh, one of the young players from Cardiff, a uh, young black player, basically said, I'm so relieved that this has come out. I always felt like I was treated differently because of my colour and people were sort of asking him about the more senior black players at Cardiff. And he went, it's completely different with senior players, but the young players were passed over. And, and, you know, there's been a lot of talk of like, oh, these were private communications. What's the difference? Well, first of all, they were private communications between work colleagues about work. So, you know, of course, even if it was private in the genuinely in the private realm, still incredibly indicative of opinion and not opinion so much as attitude but this was work colleagues talking about transfer targets you know this was avert racism and this is a fun podcast but this is a serious topic and it feels like football as a community should be talking about these things because the powers that be in football ignore them you know you had harry redknapp going he's a top lad malky he's not murdered anyone or been a paedophile you know and it's like well no but those aren't the three only status top bloke murderer a paedophile there's you know there's stuff in between and Malky Mackay is very clearly not a top bloke no right um yeah I thought uh, that was very poor from Harry Redknapp and it was football community closing in wasn't it or you know old old school football community it's funny in the same week and, and uh, let's not get into too much politics but uh, UEFA fined Dundalk FC uh, 20,000 euros because a fan unfurled a Palestinian flag at one of their games which is significantly more than they used to find clubs for racism. Uh, they, they've actually shut down a couple of stands in more recent times, but the football generally is, has had its uh, house well out of order uh, when it's come to racism. And, and sexism, of course. Richard Scudamore, Premier League Chief Executive, says some really offensive things in emails that his secretary leaked and uh, absolutely nothing happened to him. And, and I think everyone listening to this would can imagine, even if you think, oh, well, it was only banter, uh, imagine saying it to a work colleague uh, and uh, see whether you're in a job the next day, because I'm pretty sure you wouldn't be. And if you think, oh, it's only banter, you really need to readdress. Somebody posted a thing on Twitter, it's like uh, a Venn diagram with no overlap, just two circles, and like one side had banter and the other had like homophobia, sexism, racism. It's just, you know, it's just, it's just vile and it it makes the world a much worse place. So, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Who thought uh, evil genius Vincent Tan, who wears his trousers under his armpits, would turn into an uh, anti-racism campaigner? But he, but he has. Yeah, good lad. Um, so I don't know if he's a good lad. That is clearly extremely undetermined. Top bloke, top, top, <laughs> top bloke, that Vincent Tan. Yeah. Um, so, I think, I don't know, I'm trying to work out if what you just said counts as banter or not. I think it does, see? There's no harm done. Anyway, uh, talking of no harm done, we got a point from Sunderland. Uh, we both predicted wins on the podcast last week, but after the news conference when he announced Herrera was injured, I submitted to the this thing I do every week of predicting the score and the, the line, the starting lineup, and I submitted a 3 1 win to Sunderland because <laughs> I thought we were, <laughs> we were in, in real trouble. Oh dear. I got accused of almost every week predicting a United win. Yeah. 
on uh, on the podcast. I saw that. Uh, someone on Twitter said that to me. It's like, I'm not sure that's quite true. Towards the back end of last season, I definitely predicted a, a couple of losses. But um, yes, we're probably over-optimistic. Uh, you, you see, the thing is, you know, we spent an hour bashing United. At least we have done in in the last couple of years and then by the end of it we're so we have that all drained out of us and we feel happy and relaxed again that we can like you know positivity in the in the predictions but go on let's let's get on with the bashing because i have to say uh it won one one and it wasn't a loss um thank god it certainly could have been uh but it was pretty dreadful yeah uh i think the great debate about whether ashley young's gonna improve a lot quickly has pretty much been one uh, i'll uh, concede on that one well the thing is you know some of what he did was not that bad right going forward he at least had some drive and you you certainly can use that word with matt rooney and van persie who were were driveless they were, they were very very ponderous and, and at least ashley dunn kept pushing forward i mean he was definitely a liability defensively uh, and then that horrendous dive. And some people did try and argue that uh, this was there was contact. Yeah, there was contact while Ashley Young was flying through the air, and he happened to bump into the defender on his way. Well, I think it was it was even more insidious than that. Like I think he he threw his leg towards the defender. He's good at that. There is a skill in it, but it shouldn't be in football. No, uh, Van Hal is one of the people that have said there was contact. Incidentally, uh, I've just seen. Yeah, uh, has he? Right. Oh dear. Of course, you know, Young has dived under Ferguson, Moyes and Van Hull now. Uh, and to a lesser and greater extent, they've either defended and uh, or put him down. But they've definitely all defended him at one time or another. Yeah, absolutely. The only really indefensible performances, I thought, were, I guess, Rooney, Cleverly and Fletcher. Everyone else at least contributed something. But, I mean, you know, it's hard to bash Cleverly and Fletcher because that was only ever going to go one way, wasn't it, when they were the starting midfield partnership? Yeah. Cleverly, it's not It's not since that run of five games three years ago now uh, that he's been at a decent level. right? Honestly, I, I'm not a Cleverly basher because my disappointment in him is that he hasn't progressed and... Uh, and in in some ways he's gone backwards. But, you know, the comment I've always made about him is that his passing is way too safe, way, way too safe, right? And it's safe or bad because his confidence is shot. So it's not good. And Fletcher, we all love him and massive amount of respect for him getting back into the game. But I don't think he's going to be uh, a premium player for United, unfortunately. I, I got rather a lot of abuse for affectionately, I might add, with a great deal of banter calling him sick boy on Twitter. Uh, some people didn't see behind that one and uh, I was called the C word rather a lot. Yeah, um, people didn't like that. I, I don't know whether they don't get the reference or if it's too, I don't know, if people think that that means you kind of hate him for being ill. And, and you know, I wouldn't because we have a different approach to these things, but I, clearly there's no malicious intent there, is there? Likely it's one of the n- nicknames that's used in the Manchester United dressing room, but, um, you know, if you've ever played any <laughs> sports teams, you'll know that they're, they're, they're crueler than primary school children, so... Anyway, um, that's a little bit of a diversion, but uh, he wasn't very good today. Uh, Cleverly was awful. Rooney, I, I hate bashing him all the time because people go, oh, you hate Rooney. And there's part of that, but it was just so insipid. His performance, just so insipid. I mean, at least last year he was running around like a headless chicken trying to tackle people. It offered nothing in a sort of attacking sense, but... Um, or very little but right now he just he looks flat he looks like his season's nine months in not nine days in he was so lively in pre-season too I, I just you know but anyway I mean I th- I do think 
partially the problem for all of the all of the forward players that didn't play well is that midfield platform. Yeah. Because the ball's coming to them, Sunderland are sitting completely flat, you know, an incredibly deep defensive line and there's no invention from the midfield no. so it's all on but the strikers. interesting that Yanazai came into the the team in central midfield not 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 an area many of it he's played twice now one in central midfield and one at right wing back interesting that but he might add some drive from there i mean it's the same argument around why Giggs didn't play in central midfield much until he was late in that you can lose the ball in a risky area when you've got a player who likes to take people on from central midfield you know so it's a risk um i think uh, if Mr Glazer wants to get his checkbook out again, a, a top-class central midfielder wouldn't harm anyone. And then the other thing is matters a problem, right? So, And saying that, he scored seven goals in nine games, Gary Neville said in commentary today from since he's switched to his central area, which is a fantastic return, which is exactly what he gives you. He'll get great numbers in terms of goal scoring and assists, but he doesn't half slow the play down. So when Sunderland sat really deep and he's got a slow players around him in, in Rooney, I'm afraid Rooney's edging towards the slow description now these days, and Robin Van Persie, and then you've got the two wide players in Young and, and Valencia who have got pace but are starting from a deeper position. It all felt really ponderous, and, and it was kind of slow, slow, and then slow, wasn't it, United three speed? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that matter is a problem, I mean, I don't even think Rooney is a problem and I don't think Van Persie is a problem, but Mata, Rooney and Van Persie is a big problem. Yeah. No, I think that's what I'm saying. I mean, when Tottenham Hotspur's Danny Welbeck came on, he, he added some pace into the attack, Not didn't just he? pace, but like something different. You know, I, I, I've said this all season. I said it all the way through pre-season. You know, United are going to be much better with Mata, Welbeck and one of Van Persie and Rooney. That is, that is obvious. Yeah. I agree, but, I agree. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen because of the of the Welbeck stuff. Now, he's been told he can leave the club. I assume that's because he said, look, I want to play all the time, not because Van Gaal said, you're no yeah. good, you're out. It's a convoluted story, but his agents are, are not shy about coming forward. And of course, he, he basically let it be known that he wanted out on Moyes' last day in charge. So, or the day of the last game Moyes had. And um, his agents, who also Wilfred Zaha's agents, uh, are um, not shy about coming forward in, in saying what they want for their players. So he wants out. He's been agitating for a move in the parlance, and which is a, a shame, you know. So part of me thinks that uh, we should be saying there's no way Van Hal can countenance a move for Danny Welbeck. He's he's a homegrown player. Uh, he's he's a red all through. He he's going to get better. We know when he gets a chance in central areas, he his scoring rate's much much better. It's very poor from wide areas, but what did he score six goals over Christmas last season? So when he gets a chance up front, if you played him all season up front, he would get more than twenty goals. I'm sure of that. There's bags and bags of talent there, but but the lad wants to play, and he's not been shy about it. So he's he's not an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer who's happy to sit on the bench. He's not even a Javier Hernandez who's happy to sit on the or not happy to sit on the bench, but won't say much about it. Uh, he's he's wanting out. Yeah, and I think he needs it. You know, he needs to play every week. Like the the thing about Solskjaer was he became this really unique player by his observation of the game essentially and a kind of brutal natural finishing instinct which which Welbeck is a, an extremely gifted finisher but he's not able to apply it consistently uh, when he's on his game his finishing is excellent you know so he he needs a he needs to be the center forward somewhere and so I can't really blame him for wanting out in spite of his and lots of people are saying like oh you're in around in and around the United first team what more do you want it's like well uh, he wants to be the player he feels he can become and if if he's 
he knows he can't become that as third choice striker. Now, the flip side of that is you think that if he's genuinely third choice striker, he's going to get a lot of games because Rooney and Van Persie are not going to play all the way through the season together. But you think Yanazai, even Di Maria coming in now, Mata, Kagawa, there's a lot of potential options, isn't there? So it's not like he's going to play every time Rooney, uh, Rooney and Van Persie don't. So it depends a lot on the, the tactical makeup of United. Playing three five two, he he will play a lot of games, right? Because uh, Rooney and Van Persie get injured, you know. And and uh, I don't think Hernandez is ne- necessarily the kind of forward that Van Gaal likes, is he? You know, he's not an all rounder at all. So he looked for sure that Hernandez was the one out. Yes, Yanazai could play up there. I think Yanazai has got so much talent that he could force his way into the team, but there isn't necessarily a natural place for him in this tactical makeup. Di Maria. Uh, when I when I people hear people say, "Oh, he could play in the Robin role," I think they're people who haven't seen much of Di Maria. So he's a fantastic world class talent. Horrible cliche, but he is, and he gets a huge amount of assists. But there's two roles he can play: wide left, uh, and in a three man midfield, you don't play him behind the strikers. But as for Welbeck, uh, he's he's got this all round game. Uh, he offers more uh, than Hernandez for me. Uh, it it would be mad just from a squad point of view to let him go, but you can understand if Van Hal doesn't see him as number one choice or number two choice, uh, and and he he's got to that point in his career when he wants to kick on, then then you can understand that he wants to go. The Sunderland game was woeful. I thought there was a couple of positives. That Smalling had a really bad first half, and I mean it's easy to sort of lump that into Chris Morling not being up to it but he was injured all the way through most of it and I thought that in the second half Jones, Keane and Blackett that was a really effective back three Phil Jones man of the match two games in a row with Blackett not too far behind I think for me Blackett's very very composed isn't he I mean I'm sure he's going to make quite a lot of mistakes uh, he's learning it's his, what is his second uh, actual full-time proper game for United Michael Keane's first his Premier League debut and he was very composed as well. So, you know, had a much better game than Chris Smalling. And we'll, we'll throw the caveat in there that Smalling was injured, of course. But um, I think everyone thinks he's he's a talent too. The the challenge for both of them, highly inexperienced in a, in a position where experience counts. But, but you know, there you go. Right right now, they both have the play. See, Rojo will be available soon whenever he gets his work permit. Assuming he does. He's played 40 times for Argentina, so that shouldn't be a problem. You know, sidebar here. United used to apply for a work permit before they'd actually officially signed the player. Um, uh, Effectively getting pre-approval. Something's gone wrong with the paperwork here. I mean, you're right, but they looked better than their more experienced counterparts, didn't they, uh, in that role? Um, And and just played it very effective. And in a way, like, yes, it it does require experience, but the advantage of youth is flexibility and willingness to learn and capacity to learn. Because you're in the habit of learning new things all the time at that age, aren't you? So, um, so they've got that going for them, and it was it was nice to see. And I thought Jones was extremely assured again. And out of all of our defenders, he's the one who looks like he's got this back three thing cracked. Well, look, I think we always thought that Jones had so much natural talent that it would go right for him once he got a run in his in his proper position, right? Not being playing right back on central midfield all the time. And uh, I think he's going to. It, like if it carries on, he's going to finish the season as a you know, properly top-class central defender because he's got it within him. Um, although, of course, Paul Scholes said this week that he'd rather see Jones playing at right back or central midfield. So it just just goes to prove you may be a brilliant player, but you don't know it all. No, uh, I just love Paul Scholes, and sometimes he gets things exactly spot on, and sometimes he 
seems to say things that seem completely crazy. Like, Jones is so much better at centre-half than he is anywhere else. Anyway, we've talked about that more than enough, haven't we? So, uh, what else to say about the game? Uh, Nice run and cross from Antonio Valencia for United's goal. Uh, and and then defensive problems not picking up for the equaliser. Yeah, but um, I was very pleased that Sunderland didn't get a counter-attacking winner because I feel like that is what was all set to happen in the script there. Well, yeah, it was a bit cup tie, wasn't it, in the last sort of 15 minutes? Quite open, more open than you'd expect. Oh, given that a lot of the game, a lot of the game felt like uh, United were playing out for a nil-nil draw because it was a very, very one-tempoed. But um, is that a word? Well, it is now. It is now. Bants, there you go. Super bants. <laughs> um, the uh, the other thing to mention about that game is that about the 89th minute, uh, the At Man United account tweeted, something like, I think it was 87th minute, 87 minutes gone here. In truth, it, Sunderland look the more likely winners, which, A, I don't even think was necessarily true, but B, that's a remarkable admission from the uh, official account, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Well, I I think there were just chances. Cra- I mean, it was a bit, you know, it was a bit mad at the end, wasn't it? Keystone cops, United firing in the shots, and and could have won it, but but Sunderland created a few opportunities near the end too. So yeah, I mean, Sunderland could easily have won that game. It didn't happen in the end, and. Point to point, I suppose. Um, not that great in the wider context, given that um, not only have United played a, a couple of sides that were close to relegation last season, but we've got the three newly promoted sides coming up, right? So uh, it, it, Moyes may have complained about having a tough opening set of fixtures. Van Gaal can't, but it means that the tougher games come later. Yeah, but, you know, I, I just think the season is about to look a whole heap difference because... Actually, we signed Di Maria, and so should we move on to talking about transfers? Because that's the that's the hotness, isn't it? Let's do a cracking uh, cracking few lines from uh, Van Hal about about transfers. He's been remarkably open. Well, sort of, sort of open and sort of not. Uh, so he talked a little bit about it, and also uh, at one stage claimed he was uh, also looking at Messi. So I think he was like giving you, giving the media a bit of a well. A jibe there's in. a context to that though, because what he said was, "I like Messi and I like Vidal also." It's interesting because two weeks ago he said, "I don't have enough good wingers. I like Ronaldo and I like Di Maria also." So like you get rid of the two that are like each other. Ah, Vidal's coming too. Yeah, well, who knows? I mean, Woodward's got the checkbook out. We spent many years on this pod and, and on the website complaining about uh, the Glazer family's uh, parsimony and uh, you can't really accuse them of that this summer 120 odd million pounds uh, will be spent if Dean Marie comes it looks like it's a massive massive fee somewhere in the 60 odd million range plus add-ons which is interesting so it looks like um, if some of the reports are, are right that a you know I haven't actually agreed the fee yet um, at least that's what they're briefing B, even if they're not telling the truth and it's somewhere close to what some other people are saying, like, for example, the the similar figure to James Rodriguez, then it's a huge amount of money. And it reflects the fact that United are desperate, so paying a little bit of, of a premium, even if they are the only real bidders in town now, they'll also be paying a premium to the player, I would suspect, to compensate him for the lack of European football. Yep, and I have zero problem with any of that. No, no, it's right. It's what's got to be done. It's, it's what everyone's saying. You know, you can't, you can't climb back into the top four on the cheap, I'm afraid. I mean, there's a very close linear relationship between spending money and, and success, however you determine that, but points gained per match. 
and simply that's what United have to do right now. Yeah, so uh, the thing about that Sunderland game is none of Shaw, Herrera or Rojo were available. The Rojo thing seems like there might have been a further bit of uh, bureaucratic incompetence because he didn't have a work permit in sign of signing almost a week ago, which mm, doesn't seem like the paperwork was done very well there. But, nope. I mean, the Di Maria thing, I don't know, I'm reluctant to talk about it as a done deal because it's not, you know, scarf aloft and all that. Ron Atkinson signing on the pitch next to him no in fact no keep Ron Atkinson out of football but anyway metaphorically that hasn't happened but it's looking pretty pretty good isn't it well I don't think there are any other bidders in town so Di Di Maria's way because he's Jorge Mendes his client uh, and uh, they were shilling him around Europe trying to drum up some other interest and it's been played out as a he was desperate to sign for Manchester City which is not the case They're, they're just simply trying to make sure that United are not the only bidders and therefore can knock the wages down so it's actually the first time United have done a proper deal with Jorge Mendes since Bebe so uh, they did a deal for David De Gea who became a Mendes client but wasn't when the negotiations were taking place so Hector Rincon at the time uh, then became a Mendes client and then he's no longer a Mendes client uh, and that's it so there, there was some certainly some interesting relationships between the two parties for four years or so there. But maybe they're all friends now because he'll be getting a massive kickback on this deal. Absolutely. <laughs> I've just translated a tweet from Zabi Alonso where he's basically saying congratulations to Angel de Maria and wishing him luck uh, at United. But the, the translate thing says, thank you for all noodles. I wish you well, even if it is in the Man United. We will never forget the zigzag of the extension in Lisbon. Not, not sure Translate's got that one spot on. But anyway, it looks like Dimmer is coming, in which case the squad has been strengthened enormously in the course of the summer. Yeah. We've bought a central midfielder, a left-back, a centre-back who can also play left-back and a winger who can also play in midfield. I mean... Also lost eight players, but, but you know, hey. Well, I mean, <laughs> we, we've, <laughs> we have, but have we lost anyone... I mean... Vidic and Ferdinand, you both would have kept, right? And and I'd have kept, oh, no, yeah. okay, I'd have kept Evra too as a, as a squad player, but ultimately they're players that needed to be refreshed, right? Right. So so I, I have no problem with Ferdinand going. Uh, I think it's probably the right time. Vidic, I think, could have stayed on another year, and Evra, I'd have definitely kept on another year. But it's not just that. I mean, you you lose twelve hundred games or so there, uh, and then another thousand with Ryan Giggs having retired. And and then some squad stuff, you know. So, sure, the rest of the players aren't that important. But Nani, you've lost some talent, if not the application. So talent is nothing without the application. So, of course, you know, maybe a lot of people will feel we haven't lost much there. Uh, Anderson will definitely go. Uh, and Lindergaard um, will go too. He's been given a free transfer. Federico Makeda has gone. Who else has gone? So I think we might end up with about 12 having left by the end of the, the window. So we're quite a few numbers down and quite a lot on experience down. Four very good players have come in. So, you know, and, and they're all players that have effectively been bought for the first team, not for not for squad filler, which is good because that's not always been the case. So, um, you know, one, you can't really complain about the lack of money being spent. And two, two there's some uh, high quality come in. The problem is the degradation in the United squad has been such that it doesn't feel like quite enough just yet. No, there's been talk that United are going to are confident on Blint, so who knows, uh, and one midfielder. And and the thing is, 
that's the key that makes the whole that's the the final piece of the puzzle right i mean not to make us like real madrid because we're a long way off that and there's a lot of work to do to get us back there but to make us competitive and not really in trouble we still need a and other in centre midfield because Herrera and one of the existing players, basically none of the existing centre midfielders are good enough to play centre midfield for Man United, assuming Carrick doesn't get back to his very best. Yeah, there are still some big holes in the squad. It's an interesting set of purchases. And I, you know, Paul Scholes didn't believe they were the right ones. He said this week that um, he was asked about Fabregas and Cruz. And of course, if, if Fabregas and Cruz had come in, you'd be buying kind of a guarantee you know exactly what you're getting Herrera as I've said many times my two observations about him is that I think there'll be times when United don't feel he's he's doing enough because he's not spectacular so I I think he's a fine fine signing for United Uh, doesn't score enough goals which is probably why Van Hal is trying him in a deeper position sometimes that might look like he's playing a number 10 at number eight Uh, we'll see we'll see you know time will tell with that one Rojo wasn't their first choice. He was third or fourth choice, as far as I can work out. But again, he's he fits the profile, as as Van Hal would say. He's he's a, a left back or a left central defender. Can play across the back three. We'll see. You know how that one turns out. It's going to be a tough gig for him. I think it's a steep learning curve. So it might not be a universally successful first season, but. Uh, Van Halen's been very positive about him. Luke Shaw, I think, is he's got you know class all over him. Uh, he needs to get fit clearly, and then um, unlucky to be called out for being unfit and then getting injured. Not not good. And then Di Maria is just all kinds of class, but he's the most interesting of of all of them, really, because he he poses some interesting tactical questions. So um, it's much much harder to see where he's going to play in this current three five two or three four one two system uh, than it is in a four three three but uh, van hal has got to work that one out a nice problem to have yeah i mean it's funny because i was thinking about that phrase nice problem to have and at what point does a nice problem to have just become a big problem because we've sort of in a bit of that nice problem to have situation up front but it's making us make all these massive changes which are causing not nice problems to have elsewhere you know so he's shoehorning in Mataruni and Van Persie at the expense of you know defensive solidity or whatever yep. um on a one note on defensive solidity you tweeted before the game can't accuse uh, Van Hal of not being attacking five attacking players on and then he took off Fletcher and put on Yanazai to play in the center of the park I loved it you know I I think I think it's just going to be fun. I think it's going to get more fun. And, and you know, last season did not feel like a transitional season. Last season felt like a complete catastrophe. But this seems to be genuinely laying the foundation for a transitional season because all of these signings are signings that will bed in, grow. You've got a coach with this, like, very established way of doing things that takes a little bit of time and then kicks in. You know, I mean, you were saying during pre-season it showed how quickly a manager can make a difference and even though it hasn't exactly been good he already has made a difference you know in terms of the way United have used the ball Van Gaal hasn't had the personnel to make the system work yet but it's it's coming and I think the Di Maria thing it's interesting because he basically called Di Maria out when he said why he wasn't playing a 4-3-3 so you do wonder if this is the first step and it's Herrera someone and Mata behind Di Maria Yanazai and one of Rooney or Van Persie and well that that's the that's the question isn't it because the big questions are Rooney and Mata I mean they're the two square pegs uh trying to ram them into round holes Mata 
it's really hard for him to play in a classical 4-3-3, basically, because, you know, unless you're going to play with a couple of holding players, which I guess they're looking to try and convert Herrera to. We know that he doesn't play well in one of those wide areas. That's why Mourinho binned him. He wouldn't he wouldn't do the tracking back and, and you know, slowed things down. So you're going to end up playing with... You've got to have the right platform for him to play in that 4-3-3. Uh, and then if you do that, where does Rooney play? Rooney, Rooney plays on the wing, I guess. Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, one of Rooney or Van Persie play, right? And that can't happen. Because I, I really think that playing Rooney on the wing and Di Maria on the other wing, it's like all the all the joy of playing Di Maria is ruined by having Rooney out of position because that's just not going to work, is it? You know. So 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 here's here's my solution to this, okay. right? Uh, and 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 it involves the bench <laughs> and Wayne Rooney. Yeah, uh, it solves a lot of problems because I, I think Yanazai is he's really coming into his own. I think this is a big season for him. And if your default starting eleven was Di Maria, Van Persie, Yanazai up front, Mata, Herrera, and you'd need another player because I think you'd be in a lot of trouble if Carrick's in there. Not not that I'm having a go at Carrick, but um, and he does a nice defensive screening job, but you, it's going to feel a little bit lightweight. You're not giving the right kind of base there. So but Vidal, <laughs> yeah, Vidal, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe you'd squeeze Messi in there. No, no. Um, yeah, Vidal would give you that kind of energy uh, and physical presence, and and then all of a sudden you've got a very fine attacking base there. And the central defence might still be a problem. I and mean, we'll see how Rojo beds in whether he can play in a two. Um, at Premier League level, or he, or he ends up competing for the left back spot with with Luke Shaw. Uh, we'll see. I mean, the the thing is, Phil Jones has been wonderful in these two games, and history tells us that what happens is sometime in the next five games he's going to get an injury that makes him miss six. You know, that's the that's been the pattern thus far, hasn't it? So we just hope that pattern is broken. And one of the things I really liked about his performance today was. He wasn't chucking himself into challenges. He, he was really measured. And I feel like that is so important because of keeping himself fit. So I wonder what Di Maria thought watching that game today. So uh, <laughs> lots, of, lots of tweets of like uh, playing trails, making a sudden about turn and going yeah, the other way. Um, so, you know, it, part, part of his ego might be polished up saying, you know, he's going to be one of the big guys already straight away in this team, right? I mean, clearly when you pay £60 million for a player, that's what you kind of expect. But he'll be second only to Rooney in terms of wages. At United and and he's going to be a very very important player. So whereas at Madrid, the shiny new thing has come along and they've dumped him for for the shiny new thing. So part of it's that, and part of it's he's going to see Fletcher and cleverly in midfield and Ashley Young and Antonio Valencia on the, on the wings and think Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean. Hopefully, that's not what's going to happen. Is this Christo? Yeah, I, I think the other thing is he's a footballer, so he's probably going to think, I'm going to make these lots so much better, you know, uh, by turning up. And and hopefully he's not the last signing. Like, it feels greedy at this point, but it's really important. And I would definitely take, like, a Nigel de Jong, very straightforward, simple centre midfield signing just you know De Jong and Herrera behind Mata that works in a three right yeah I guess so I mean I mean honestly I just don't think De Jong's good enough but I suppose if if it gets down to the final day and we're desperate we just actually need the numbers it's it's a slippery road that one isn't it though because uh, United um, 
and you're right this this will be a transitional season but it's a transitional season in which United have to finish in the top four there really is no other option um and and buying mediocre players is is a, a road to mediocrity generally speaking but but De Jong might be better in there than a Fellaini uh, or an Anderson. And, you know, one of the things that's happened in the past week that I think is really significant to United is Balotelli's gone to Liverpool. Is that that's officially done, right? Or is it just very nearly officially done? Yeah, 20 million euros hasn't signed the paperwork yet, but uh, it'll be done early next week. I think that's an extremely significant signing because... Balotelli at his best is a really genuinely electrifying player. He isn't at his best all the time, but they have, you know, the the signing of Balotelli changes all the other signings, if you know what I mean. Because the, the rest of the signings, we, we were kind of thinking, well, they've replaced Suarez, but nobody who can hit that level. But now they've they've basically replaced Suarez with Balotelli and a bunch of people that aren't at Suarez's level. And like, if it works, that is a top four place that is you know, yeah. it's going to be harder for United to overturn. Yeah. I think that's a significant signing. Well, it is. I mean, he's only ever scored over 20 goals in the season once. Uh, so, you know, may, maybe it will come good. I think there's a, there's a lot of question marks over that one and a lot of question marks generally about Liverpool. So if I, if I was trying to make an educated guess, I'd say that they'll slip quite a long way from their level. But... You know, you talk about replacing thirty-one goals. I suppose you only really need to score another fifteen, and then and then say fifteen. And in Lovren, they should be a lot more sound defensively. So maybe, maybe they'll get within a few points of where they were last season. I, I have a feeling it's going to be very, very tight for fourth. I don't think there's any guarantees, even with Di Maria in the United side, that we'll get there. Well, one one journalist said this week that he has a sense that, and this is a Dutch journalist, he has a sense that uh, Van Hal is in in panic mode or maybe you didn't use the word panic but it's emergency mode right so this is emergency measures playing through at the back this is not what he wants to do and he's just trying to get united through because he mm. realizes quite how bad the united squad is you know so all that stuff about giving everyone a chance and assessing the squad was really just for the media uh, in reality uh, i'm sure he's told the owners what's needed and you know Woodward has got what a week in order to get uh, United uh, some more players because Blint might do it I mean certainly um, you know I think there's a few question marks over his pace and his and his you know whether he's top quality but his versatility will be very useful you know Dutch John O'Shea isn't he and then Vidal would be a cherry on the icing on the cake right Uh, uh, that's the that's the signing that turns United from risking not making the top four to definitely making the top four yeah i mean absolutely but it's all very greedy talking like that yeah there's a few things there's a few things uh, it was elko born that said that and he's absolutely right isn't he because 352 the only reason van Hal played 352 with holland was strutman got injured there's he would just never have played that otherwise it would have been 433 all the way as it had been up to that point and there's no way he would play 3-5-2 with United if it wasn't for trying to fit that it had worked for him so well for Holland and it was a natural fit in theory for Mata Rooney and Van Persie but I don't think it's going to take Van Gaal long to twig that that is not the way you know it's just that particular aspect of the 3-5-2 is is going to continue to be problematic um and as for the the transfer window the the one thing I wanted to talk about was Ed Woodward uh, for a minute because that, there was a you know there was a big glazes out protest kind of roared up in the aftermath of the Swansea game which felt super weird timing wise because like 
felt like oh you know what if you'd if we'd won that game people wouldn't have the situation would have been the same and people wouldn't have been saying that stuff about the glazers it's like the the glazer ownership has been a complete disaster for united we've averted the fact that the disaster it could have been more by luck than judgment you know yeah well and and a lot of luck basically in the in the financial so it's some very good judgment as well on the on the commercial side of things so you know my feeling on this one is that that glazers out is for life not just for a transfer window and uh, the apathy just is one of the things that annoys me almost yeah. as much as the Glazers yeah. do, right? Don't suddenly get angry about this when you haven't given a damn before. And the other the other thing that, that swept around was this real antipathy towards Woodward. Not not like antipathies at Glazer Stooge, we we know that. That's there's he earns a lot of that antipathy by virtue of the fact that he's the one that organised the leverage buyout and now he's living high off the hog and getting to play out his childhood fantasy, basically, uh, because he completely screwed the club but his this the kind of notion that he's completely incompetent in the transfer window there's certainly been a massive dip in competence since Gil left because you know Gil had become a football man by the time he left United although albeit he didn't start as one um, but he had become one and his you know his job at UEFA kind of proves that but anyway if Woodward does if the transfer window he signed Shaw Herrera Rojo uh, Di Maria and a central midfielder. Yep. Can we really say that Woodward's had a terrible, incompetent transfer window? Well, no, because uh, I guess the outcome uh, will be will be very positive if that all happens. So, so my argument would be that there's been very little in the way of of thought out process and plan and strategy here, and it feels very very scattergun. I'm not sure that uh, Van Hal, when he told United he would be joining uh, in mid May said get me Di Maria right I, th- I think this is a an opportunistic signing uh, I think a lot of them have been so that's my essential problem right so I think I think people boil it down to well Woodward must be rubbish at negotiating so uh, and, and it feels very naive that because um, this is a team game it's team assessment through from the scouts through the manager uh, to the executive team negotiating um, and its contacts within Europe, and that's been part of Woodward's problem that that he's been played uh, because he's not had that contact base. So, to answer your question, it's it's hard to call it a disaster because if United sign another couple of players, because they've signed a lot of players and spent a lot of money and bought a lot of quality, but you have to caveat it with, I'm not sure there was a real strategy here. And when you look at each, there are, there are many reasons that United have secured these players, and a lot of it's to do with overpaying. So. Or paying a premium, I should say. So Luke Shaw paid a massive premium, so much so, in fact, that Chelsea were scared off, which is interesting, and uh, paid the buyout clause for Herrera, the buyout clause that they weren't prepared to pay last year because they deemed him not worth the money. Um, uh, it looked like they're going to pay over £60 million for Di Maria, who's, you know, not a nice way of putting it, but effectively a Real Madrid cast-off. And, and we'll see what happens with the rest of them. Paid a lot of money for Rojo players, Played in one of the smaller leagues in Europe, so you know you you can praise Woodward, and you can also say, well, hang on a minute, you know he's he's paid a very heavy price for these players. Yeah, and because football gets taken in black and white, I just want to make it abundantly clear that what I'm not saying is it means he had a wonderful, excellent, perfect transfer window because it's like people no, people right. only have two settings, right? <laughs> but no, it's like he had a flawed but ultimately um what's the word i'm looking for uh productive 
That's exactly the word I was looking for. A flawed but ultimately productive transfer window. and Semi-productive at this point. Yeah. If he signs Di Maria yeah. and another one. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's, I mean, you know, even and like if it's only Di Maria and that's a, that is proper spoiled football fan and it only Di Maria. Can we just talk about Di Maria for a minute? Because yeah. we've mentioned him, but like I am beside myself excited about it you know how there are like big players and i mean just this doesn't apply to you because you watch so much football i i watch a lot less uh european football than you do and and so there are players who i've never seen had a good game like uh frank ribery i i totally believe he's a really good player and it's just that i haven't seen it but i very rarely have i ever seen frank ribery have a good game uh, for a long time i'd never seen karen benzema have a good game another wonderful player but i just caught him on a number of bad days angel De Maria is like the opposite. I've only ever seen him have a good day, uh, except maybe a couple of times in the World Cup in part of that midfield three. Yeah, well, I mean, I thought he had a pretty good World Cup. You know, not a spectacular one, but uh, he was absolutely brilliant for Real Madrid last season. 17 assists in the league alone and man of the match in the Champions League final. So, I mean, you know, I was I was being glib when I said he was a Real Madrid cast-off. He, he's, a, he's a guy at the top of his game, uh, 26 years old, and United paying a massive fee for him. So... This has rarely happened in the history of Manchester United that we've gone out and, and uh, bought a player right at his peak. I think the last time, in all honesty, was when Sebastian Veron. Uh, if you're talking about being a, buying a player from one of the top European leagues, and uh, that one didn't work out too well. I, I suspect this one will. I think Di Maria and United will work out very, very well indeed. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think he's a very, very exciting player. The one criticism, and it's a fair one, and the one that means that he's he is not a Robin for the Robin role uh, is he doesn't score enough goals. He just doesn't score that many. I mean, he hasn't got into double figures very often. We kind of don't really need players to get on the end of chances. We've got players that can do that. We need players who are going to make chances consistently. And uh, he'll certainly do that, won't he? So He certainly will, yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe this will work out for Madrid. They're getting a very good deal, very good fee. I mean, they paid a mega fee for James Rodriguez, of course. It looks like they're still chasing Falcao. It would be a very fine signing for them as well. So, you know, um, I don't know whether they're just trying to balance the books or find money for Falcao. So either way, they're going to get a lot of money from United for him. But United are going to get a very fine player and we're desperate enough that we have to pay that 60 million rather than 40 million or or whatever it might have been in in other circumstances. Uh, One side note on Falcao. Not not only is he a brilliant striker, but his Twitter handle is at Falcao, all in capital letters. <laughs> nice, is he Neo in disguise? Uh, one for the Twitterati there. Um, the uh, the thing about this transfer window is you wonder how much of the paying of a premium is down to some sort of incompetence and lack of negotiation, and how much of it is simply the fact that we're not offering Champions League football. United are in the worst negotiating position they've been for transfer targets uh, in living memory. Yeah. You yeah, I, let, let's go for the latter, right? And, and uh, give everyone the benefit of the doubt and say, even if you had Daniel Levy negotiating on your behalf, and I've no idea if he really is a great negotiator, he certainly has that reputation, um, that United would have had to pay some premiums this summer, especially to the players, but also to the, the selling clubs, because everyone knows that the club's desperate and absolutely has to get back into the, the Champions League because the business model is so completely tied up with that global exposure and whatever you say about de maria like however many tops you put for the before the word player 
he is an elite level player and elite level transfer fees have gone completely bananas. And like, you could definitely argue that Di Maria is, I, I, this is not me doing the thing that football fans do of saying that their, their signings are better than other signings, but Di Maria is more proven than James Rodriguez, right? He's a, a more proven entity at the top level of European football. Um, not that I'm saying he's a better signing. I'm just saying that is the case, you know. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I'm not sure there's much doubt that James Rodriguez will be a huge hit at Real Madrid. Already scored for them, hasn't he? Although, he's a more difficult fit because you, you're not quite sure exactly where he'll play for them in the system that Ancelotti has, has tended to play, a sort of 4-3-3 system. But they'll find a place because he's wonderfully talented. But that's aside, right? So United are going to get, a, assuming there's no last minute hitches, United are going to get a, a very, very high quality player who creates absolutely tons of goals, uh, whether he's playing in central midfield or sort of, you know, in a three man midfield, which will be difficult with matter in the side or in a 4-3-3, which will be much easier. Uh, he's going to create lots and lots of goals for United. Shame he doesn't score more, but I think we kind of know what the kind of player he is. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, exciting times potentially there for sure. Um, and hopefully uh, by the time the next rank cast is recorded, there will have been the scarf held aloft moment and there won't be the horrible, the deal all fell apart and somebody gazumped us and we we're all crying moment. No, um, well, one last one last note on transfers. Nani's gone. <laughs> and I mean, this is a player who's just been so hugely frustrating for seven years right yeah a player who's got it all he can score spectacular goals he's a match winner as Ferguson said he's got all the talent the pace the tricks the ability to score goals and never put it together and he hasn't put it together to such an extent that United are paying five million pounds a year in wages just to have him play for someone else uh, and, and and no fee involved either. And they signed him to a five-year contract not 12 months ago. Ferguson said he is a match winner, but it's more accurate to say that he was a match winner. He hasn't been a match winner for United for such a long time. He's put in th- maybe three good performances in the last two years. No, that's fair enough. But the essential nuttiness about this is that they signed him up to a five-year contract last summer, essentially to protect his transfer fee only to send him out on loan for free while paying his wages. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- th- of course, that's actually just adding five million to the value of the Rojo transfer, right? That's that's what it effectively, is effectively yeah. doing. Um, yeah. Worth pointing out that in his debut for Sporting Lisbon, he missed a penalty, got a yellow card and was substituted off in the 77th minute. So, But did you see the reception he got? Heroes, like, welcome. <laughs> yeah, it's like they'd re-signed Ronaldo or something. Uh, I think they're going to be pretty disappointed. But it'd be lovely if he could get it together because, you know, at his best, in that 2011 see that sort of 2010 to halfway through 2011 he was like electric wasn't he yeah for that short period of time and I mean one of his major problems has been Antonio Valencia so he just hasn't played on the right as much as you know he can be very effective on the left Nani cutting in and, and shooting but never had the same consistency of performances as when he's playing on the right hand side and and yeah just a, a couple of bursts it was uh the one year he was the the players' player of the year at, at United, right? And didn't get into the PFA nominations at all, which was a surprise. Mm. But apart from that, just just such a poor return on what was a very large transfer fee. Slightly better, only slightly better than Anderson, who's still at the club. No one will buy him. No one. We can't even give him away for free anymore. No. He wouldn't go to Flamengo because he's worried about them not paying his wages, apparently. But anyway, He's been we'll, we'll stealing wages there. for seven years. Give some back, man. <laughs> um, should we take some Twitter questions from the good people? Yeah, they're not all good. 
Bants, bants. <laughs> they're not all good, but most of them are. If they're listening to this, they're probably good, I reckon. Um, at Brandon Ulrich 2, who definitely is good, says he's very serious about this. He loves the Di Maria signing, which hasn't happened yet, but, but is he worthy of the number seven shirt, in your opinion? And it's really, like, I had to write a thing for the Bleach Report this week about Adnan Yanazai being in the number 11 shirt, and, and I quite like all the shirt number sentimentality and all the silliness that goes on around it. I'm a bit of a sucker for all that stuff, but dot 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 the number seven shirts previous two occupants have been Antonio Valencia and Michael Owen so Angel de Maria is definitely better than those two you know well yes so if you put it in the context of of best Cantona Beckham Ronaldo Ronaldo remember him Ronaldo yeah yeah no, he was all right he did, he did all right Coppel yeah some special players there uh, maybe not that Ronaldo chap. Um, then, then yeah, sure, there's a debate. But yeah, in the, in the context of Valencia and Owen, yeah, just give them the shirt number. It's it's not a big deal, really, is it? No, except it's like we want a kind of cool uh, player that gets us out of our seats in that shirt number, right? If if possible, yeah. and we've got one of those, so definitely. Well, we haven't got him yet, but hopefully we'll be getting him. At Mickey Six Chins says, "What's the best angel? Mine is Angel Cake. Good answer. I quite like Snow Angels. Uh, you know." Lie on your back in the snow and make the snow angel. I think that's a good good look. Yeah. What's your what's your favourite kind of angel? Eh? Angel delight. No. Oh it's, no, it's really? really? It's really not. <laughs> that's really bad. Uh, angel from Tekken as well. Uh, it was quite good. At Jay McKeown Esquire says, Do you think Ed would be a good guy to work for? I'm trying to work out if he means you or Ed Woodward. So I'm going to say, uh, yes, Ed Woodward would probably quite an easygoing boss because he doesn't seem to expect much from his staff. Lol, bunts. Whereas I'm a total... <laughs> I think Ed would be an excellent boss. Very understanding. He'd get your work done. He'd, he'd be all right with delegation, wouldn't you, Ed? Sure, yeah, yeah. At Phil and uh, I'm not even. Uh, oh yeah, Phil and Will. There you go. It says, do you think Nick Powell has a career at United? Everyone seems to have forgotten about him. Yeah, uh, I think the drink driving thing really hurt Nick Powell. That's my my estimation. The not being fit very much thing also hurts him quite a bit too. Yeah. Um, I mean, he played at Wigan up front basically last year and he's not getting in the team up front. He could do with another loan and, and that'll be his last chance to really impress and force his way in next season. Otherwise, he's done, I'd say. OK, I think that's pretty fair shout. And also, like, what a nightmare to try and... What a terrible position to be trying to break into United, you know, behind the strikers. Well, might only have two strikers. Uh, once once Welbs, he's uh, officially Tottenham Hotspurs, <laughs> Danny Welbeck and, and Chicharito's <laughs> off... Uh, in a swap deal for Vidal. <laughs> what do you make of Yanazai not in the starting eleven? Asks moods of Eric. Uh, yeah, I think it's mostly about tactics. Yeah, that's exactly so what he said. He could he could force his way in, but uh, we'll we'll see. I mean, it's hard to know. I mean, he could force his way in 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 Juan Rata's place, I suppose. I, mean, I presume he'll play against uh, MK Doms in the Capital One Cup. Yep, yeah, uh, we'll come on to that in just a second. Uh, at JSF underscore seven, the last Twitter question of the week says, who will complete the most Rabonas by the end of the season between Rojo and Di Maria? I think there's no question it will be Di Maria because, uh, I mean, Rojo did that brilliant Rabona clearance in the World Cup, but Di Maria is an absolute beast for a Rabona. I tell you what, if he's... Uh, no, I won't go there. <laughs> 
Yeah, so Di Maria is going to win the Rabona Challenge. But everyone, if you could keep a running tally, that would be much appreciated. And we'll come back to this at the end of the season. So uh, you mentioned the MK Don's game. That's Tuesday night uh, action. A great, great away day for everyone. Get to go to Milton Keynes. I'm sure there'll be tons of Reds there and it'll be one of those excellent away nights. Oh, true, you get there by going round a roundabout and then another one and then you go round another roundabout and then you go round yeah. another one and then... Uh, they they are the most fake team in the world, aren't they? They're like a stolen team. So I hope we absolutely batter them, to be honest. Uh, but anyway. Well, they, they were franchise FC until Manchester City actually went and created a bunch of franchises of fake new clubs around the world. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, what is the starting eleven going to look like? I've absolutely no idea. I assume he's going to play exactly the same formation because he's trying to get everyone playing that formation uh, and I guess a bunch of younger players and people who haven't played much will will get a go right so uh, there's no real imperative for United to start resting people just yet uh, and the squad's reasonably small because there's so many injuries so uh, I'd say a mix of, of players who haven't had much game time and some younger players. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think uh, at Nick at Man United Youth was saying on the Red Mancunian podcast that he would just like him to play a proper young team full of under-21s and stuff. They beat a, a League One side in pre-season, United's under-21s. Uh, although, as we all have come to discover, if we didn't know it already, pre-season can be... Your results may vary, as it were. But the uh, the, the idea of playing like Ben Pearson and maybe Pereira and you know it'd be, it'd be good right it'd be fun it would be yeah and and MK Donson you know aside from the fact that they're completely fake and they stole a club they they play some decent football and Carl Robinson's a very very young up-and-coming manager I, I couldn't say I know too many of their players very well I don't watch an awful lot of League One football but uh, it should be a good run out for United and, and you'd expect United to win whoever Whoever turns up. Uh, I don't know that I expect United to win anymore, but, you know, you would think it would be possible. It'd be great to see uh, Yanazai given a really pivotal role in that, you know. I think one of the reasons he hasn't played that much so far is also about fitness, right? Because he was one of the players given the longer holiday after the World Cup. So, you know, wasn't on the tour and all that. Um, So the the MK Dons, I don't feel like I can add much to a a preview of that because of not having done any research about how they're doing or what they're like or what the deal is. Wasn't Luke Chadwick playing that? I don't think he's there anymore, but he was there last year. Uh, which, which is a real shame that he's he's not still there because uh, we could have had a reunion with... You know, yeah, an emotional plug. reunion it would have been too. The, the next Roy Keane, right? One of the many next Roy Keanes, Luke Chadwick. Well, more of a sprightly winger. Scared people <laughs> oh, with yeah, his, the, you know, facial problems. I'm thinking of Liam Miller. That's the, the, the Roy yeah, Keane. Yeah, you know, he was definitely the next Roy Keane. <laughs> um, and then we've got a proper game at uh, the weekend uh, against Burnley. I guess the League Cup's got some importance because we've got no ability to rotate with the Champions League so it'd be useful to have a League Cup run and it's the whole thing of Mourinho's first season at Chelsea that was the first trophy won it's the first trophy the Rooney and Ronaldo generation won at United and blah 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 so it's got all that significance to it it'd be good but ultimately it's the League Cup so if we lose who cares but the Burnley game at the weekend really important I seem to remember an early season away trip to Burnley that didn't go too well not that long ago right yeah yeah lunchtime kickoff, isn't it uh, one of those I'm not sure that's always been United's friend and and away at Burnley tight crowd very very good crowd there at Burnley so um, I think it'll be a tough game for United it shouldn't be right they're one of the newly promoted sides but uh, they've and they had a bad result against Chelsea they're uh, they're they're going to find it very tough in the Premier League of course they are they'll Sean Dyche is is surely one of the favourites for yeah being sacked first 
uh, because that is the pattern, isn't it, for newly promoted sides. But they've given United a tough game on the, the few occasions that we've been there in recent times. Yeah, you mentioned it was a bad result against Chelsea, but it certainly wasn't a bad performance um, from what it looked like on the highlights. They they gave Chelsea a scare and, you know, they, they put in a good shift. And yeah, and, and then they lost again at the weekend and were again fairly impressive. And, you know, United are vulnerable, right? And it's the best time they could possibly be facing us. They'll be, they'll be delighted to be playing us now and they won't be scared, I'm sure of that. Yeah, uh, so I mean, look, United's level has to go up. Uh, surely uh, it must and we'll have another week's worth of of uh, Van Hal inspired tactical sessions to try and get them in the, the right frame uh, of mind to to go out there and you know actually create some chances so what, what he has to do is he has to get this side playing at a higher tempo in attacking areas of the pitch it was so one pace against uh, against Sunderland it was pretty scary really and you know, in many ways, people think of the three-five-two system as a, a kind of reactive system, a playing on the break system. But but United are also securing sixty percent of possession, so uh, we have to do something with that. A lot of it's a lot of it's down to that triumvirate of of Van Persie, Rooney, and Mata. Can it can it do the business against Burnley? You'd think so. I mean, I think even more of it is to do with whoever the two are behind them. I really do think that's what the key is to unlocking some good work out of the, the front three. Yeah, and, and clearly tomorrow we're going to put in a £50 million bid for Vidal and, and he'll be signed on and he can make his debut against Burnley next weekend, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we're going to win 4-0. No, uh, I am going to predict. It's time for us to do some predictions. And we've done the hour of bashing United, so it's time to predict some wins. I am going to predict a win. I'm going to predict a 2-1 win over MK Dons. Everyone's going to be tearing their hair out at the end of that one, but I think we're going to scrape through. And then against Burnley, I'm going to predict a one-all draw. There you go. There you go, person. There you go, person on the internet who complained about us uh, predicting wins every week. Well, I'm afraid I'm going to predict two wins. So I, I think United will beat MK Dons. I've no idea. Let's say 2-0, just because it's a number. Uh, <laughs> And then I think United will go and win at Burnley 2-1. Yeah, OK. Yeah. Very good. And then we better start winning because I've been predicting wins and, and goal scorers just, just as a laugh in the United Route £1 bet club, which I haven't actually told anyone about yet. But I'm now £2 down. It's disgraceful. It's a bad start. It's a bad start. Bad start. The worst I can lose is about 40-something pounds this year, so I think I can swallow it. OK. And presumably at some point you will luck your way into a result to offset that. But yeah, we'll see. OK, so if you want to get hold of us in between now and next week, you can get us on Twitter at UTD Rankcast for me at United Rant for Ed. You can read my stuff on the Bleach Report if you want to. And you can read Ed's stuff and a bunch of other excellent United analysis at UnitedRant.co.uk. Find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash United Rant. And if you want to help out with the bandwidth costs for the show, because no one's paying us £60 million transfer fees, it's UnitedRant.co.uk slash donate. Right, very good. Well, let's let's hope two wins, uh, and we'll be back to you with an hour of uh, talking about how wonderful United are, and we don't need Angel Di Maria or Arturo Vidal. No, he'll be, yeah, he'll yeah, be yeah. a United player uh, by maybe then. Maybe we'll make his he'll debut be... against Burnley. Could could well be if it's done early in the week. He could well be. Uh, not with uh, Woodward doing the paperwork. But until next week, ladies and gentlemen, we'll leave you with this. <laughs> 